Hi, this is Bobby Kamari, and I want to thank you for listening to season two of the Living in Light podcast, where the whole season is going to be dedicated to the fabulous topic of sacred sexuality. I hope it blesses your socks off. Ruslyn Williams, thank you so, so much for joining me on today's show. It is such a joy to have you with us today. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here today. Yeah, it's honestly, it's so lovely. I love the fact that you reached out to me because obviously we'd been connecting on Instagram for quite a while (laughs) and obviously seeing your ministry and the voice that you are on social media and the encouragement and, you know, your witness to then be able to actually connect with you and hear your story. So powerful, so encouraging. And so I am super excited that we actually get to unpack your journey a little bit today because I know it's going to be so encouraging for people that are listening. Amen. And the actual beauty I think of talking to you is that because in the past any sessions that I've done on singleness, you know, I've spoken about my own personal journey, but to be mm-hmm. able to talk to you and unpack your journey as a single Christian woman is going to be really amazing. Um so, why don't you tell us a little bit about your ministry? Like why have you gone for the ministry that you've gone for and just share a little bit about your heart and your passion as well. All right. So my name is Rosalyn Williams. As you stated, I am a 37 year old single Christian woman, soon to be 38. Uh, but uh, I always forget because I look young. Anyway, I'm a virgin at 37, uh, soon to be 38. And I used to feel bad about that. I used to feel out of place. Um, And the fact that I had not had a boyfriend until uh, 33. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't mean that I didn't uh, date anyone. I did date uh, various guys, but I had not dated a Christian yet uh, until I got to the age of 33. Uh, Now he was a baby Christian. So there were some things uh, that did not line up. So that did not work out. But I had struggled with my identity up until that point. And my saving grace was the fact that I do have an intimate relationship with the Lord. Um, I've had an intimate relationship with the Lord since I was about 12 years old. Um, And God would minister to me and he would give me things that would help me. It would give me strength. It would give me clarity in the various things that I had gone through. Uh, And I just wanted to share that with other women. And I remember one day the Lord put on my heart and he told me to start a blog. And so I wasn't really sure about that. I had called one of my friends that I went to school with. I told her about that. She shared with me how God put on her heart to start a magazine and she disobeyed and it didn't go to where it should have gone because of that. So she encouraged me to do that, to go ahead and and start my blog. And so I was still scared. So I was like, Lord, you're going to have to give me confirmation. Do you know, right after I prayed that prayer, I got a text message that said the scripture, uh, we don't light a candle to put it underneath a bushel, (laughs) but we light it to set it, you know, out so everyone can see. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, wow, Lord, that was quick. Mm -hmm. And then I had called one of my mentors after that and I shared with her. Uh, She she encouraged me. She shared with me not to be afraid, uh, but just to walk in wisdom. And so I started my blog called Intercession for a Generation where I write about life and relationship lessons from a biblical perspective. 
And then out of that, I got a, a strong uh, burden to begin to write a book. So my first book came out in 2016. It's called The Single Christian Woman's Guide. And that book is a book that shares with women wisdom that I've learned over the years on how to remain in position uh, to be able to receive a man of God. Because I feel like a lot of women in my position who desire to honor God in relationships and with their singleness, sometimes we get discouraged, you know, because we're not dating all the time. We don't always have someone asking us out uh, or we're not always meeting someone who's appropriate, you know, who's a believer. So sometimes that can be discouraging. And then maybe we can um, deal with these things in unhealthy ways, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about some of these unhealthy ways a little bit later on. Um, but sometimes we can deal with it in unhealthy ways and we can get stuck into negative cycles. So I just wanted to help women uh, with the first book. And then later on, two more books came, uh, The Wholeness Action Plan and Patterns of the Heart, Discernment and Choosing a Potential Spouse. Amazing. I What I actually love about your books is that they all are very practical. So it's like books that equip. So it's not just, hey, here's my story and, you know, um, you can glean from that or you can be inspired by that. But actually all your books, they equip, you know, mm -hmm. and they are really a support, a mechanism for single women or um, women that obviously you're aiming the book at to be able to walk in victory, but then you give them the tools, which I yes. absolutely love. But what I find fascinating is your background in terms of equipping women and in terms of sexual purity, etc. It's not just spiritual and it's not just your own personal experience because you have also studied in that area as well, yeah. right? So mm -hmm. you've got an educational yeah. background in this as well, which I just think all of that collectively together, mm -hmm. what a great all-round understanding that you have. Yes, definitely. Yeah, so I had a uh, burden when I graduated from college. I wanted to uh, reach out to women as well. And every time I would watch the news and I would see a story of a young lady uh, dropping off her baby in a dumpster, um, that would really touch my heart, you know, to think, what is that woman feeling? She has to be afraid, et cetera, you know? And so I... Um, ordered the book and began studying uh, with the uh, abstinence clearinghouse uh, in the United States. And I got my abstinence certification. We had to take a course after we studied uh, with them. Uh, and then I got my abstinence certification. And so uh, not very long after I got my abstinence certification, the Lord put it on my heart and he told me to call my one of my best friend's mothers who used to be an abstinence educator at the time. So I um, called her. I was like, guess what? And uh, I shared with her that I had gotten my certification. She was like, really? She was like, I'm putting together an event uh, for young girls at this church. And I've been praying about and asking God to send somebody to help me. And so she was like, will you help me? I was like, sure, I'll help you. And um, that was actually my first speaking engagement. Uh, two young ladies about abstinence. And at that event, I met um, a young lady, her name is Amanda. And at the time she worked for uh, PADS, which is an organization called Pregnancy Aid in the South Suburbs. And so it's a local organization um, that provides 
crisis pregnancy, but it's a Christian organization. So not only do they provide crisis pregnancy, but they also share the gospel uh, with these young ladies and these couples that are in crisis pregnancy. And they educate them uh, about adoption, about having their child, they give away baby clothes, um, and just all types of things. They educate them about finances. And so they, that organization was looking for an abstinence educator to go into the public schools uh, to speak to high school students and middle school students about abstinence education. And so I gave them my card at that time. And that's how I got started actually getting experience as an abstinence educator. So I did that for four years, going to various high schools, speaking to kids, hundreds of kids about abstinence education. That's amazing. So, so amazing. Because um, in, in the UK, we don't really have something like that. You know, it's kind of frowned upon, mm -hmm. even for me when I used to be a teacher, and I had to teach sex education, I think, in my first year. Um, and it was obviously in a secular school. And the idea mm -hmm. of abstinence was so unthinkable and this is like we're talking years ago it was so foreign to a secular school system to even teach abstinence and so I actually love the fact that they are doing that in America and that it is something that you can even get you know an educational qualification in like wow I just pray that we start mm -hmm. doing that here um so that that is so so incredible well so in America though everyone is not on the um abstinence page you know there's this debate um abstinence education versus comprehensive sex education mm -hmm. And so um, what they do, the public schools, is they allow both sides to come in. Right. So they allow the people who represent abstinence, which would be someone like me. And then they also allow someone who teaches comprehensive sex sure. education to yeah. come in. And then the parents, you know, talk it over with the kids and they decide, you know, what they're going to believe. So that's kind of how they do it in the United States. I think that's amazing because here in mm -hmm. the UK, it's pretty one sided. You know, it's like an agenda mm -hmm. which is very, very liberal. And the idea of abstinence is so just unfamiliar and foreign. Um, I, I teach in a Christian school and so I'm able to talk about abstinence, but I think in a general secular environment, it's really, really difficult for young people to even hear about the advantages and the beauty of mm -hmm. abstaining. Um, so I love that you have a platform to do that in America. It's really and, powerful. And not only abstaining, but experiencing real love, mm -hmm. you know, because that's really what we all yeah. want. A lot of times when people are having sex, they're trying to fill some sort of void. Right. You know, they want to feel close to someone. And we didn't only teach them about abstinence education, but we taught them about those things, too, and how to build a healthy relationship, because those things are very important. And, you know, even adults, you know, still struggle with that and they make uh, poor choices sexually uh, due to those basic needs that we all have. So we just have to make sure that we feel those basic needs in a healthy manner. Yeah. And that is the problem, isn't it? It's like I know even from my own history of promiscuity, it comes down to looking for love in all the wrong places. And it comes down mm -hmm. to, you know, settling for counterfeit intimacy because you haven't mm -hmm. experienced true intimacy. And ultimately, mm -hmm. the bottom line is, is that we have been created for true intimacy. But if we don't know the Lord, then we end up looking for intimacy in counterfeit ways, um, yes. which I would love to actually talk to you about because I know um, so much of what you teach and so much of your passion for 
the things that you minister about all stem and you know your your single life and similar to me in in many regards all of it stems from your intimacy with the lord you know so yeah. why don't you talk about that and then after that we'll dive into some of your story why don't you share a little bit about your intimacy with jesus all right well I started um, my relationship with God around the age of 12, um, but I was mature. I was a little baby Christian. And so when I was 14, I used to, because, you know, we kind of grew up in a sheltered environment, my brothers and I, um, because my parents wouldn't really let us go outside very much and socialize with the other kids. Um, So that meant that I would always call the radio station a lot. So I used to call um, this one particular radio station and I would flirt uh, with one of the guys up there. And one day I did that. Uh, there was this R&B song. Uh, it went like, yippee-i-yo, yippee-i-yo, you want to bump your body, baby. So I called the guy at the radio station and started singing that to him. And I felt <laughs> the Holy Spirit convict me. <laughs> oh my God. You know, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, um, Russellin, you're saved now. You can't be doing stuff like that. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, because the next step, once you start flirting with, you know, uh, sin is to actually take part in sin, mm. you know, and God was trying to lead me in another direction. You know, I was a normal uh, teenager in the sense that I wanted to date. I wanted to have a boyfriend and, you know, make out with someone, all of those things. But the more that I grew in my personal relationship with God, the more my desires wanted to change, you know, to where I no longer prioritize those things so much, but I prioritize my relationship with God. And I can remember going um, in my prayer closet, um, which was an empty room because we were homeschooled and it was the room that we would have school in, in the house. And so after school was over, that room was empty. So I would go in there and pray. I would lay out an old coat on the um, floor and I would just lay there and pray and I would read my Bible and I would take a little notebook in there with me and I would write down whatever I felt like the Lord gave me. Um, So that's how I began my intimate relationship with God and actually began knowing that God was real. And that has carried me throughout my entire life, you know, where, you know, God has led me you know, in various situations, even in the uh, single Christian women's guide, I talk about when I was in college and how, when I went to the financial aid office to figure out how I was going to pay for the year, they told me I had only had $800, but I needed, you know, at least 8,000. And so when I prayed about it, I was in the library praying and I was thanking the Lord. I said, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to be in school, et cetera. You know, and I told him about what they said. The Lord told me your way has already been made. And he said that um, there's money uh, laid up in store for you. Well, not long after that, I got all types of scholarships and I ended up getting uh, a getting paid to do my internship. I got paid a thousand dollars a month to do my internship wow. as well. So before I left the school, I ended up getting seven thousand dollars. Um <laughs> when I graduated. So I went to Disney World (laughs) and I paid off my student loan, which was only 2000. I only took out 2000 um, because I needed some dental work and I didn't have any dental coverage. So yeah, my relationship with God is everything. I do believe like the Bible says in Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these other things will be added unto us. Mm. Um, and I think sometimes we can get discouraged when maybe that one thing that we're looking for the most has not happened yet. 
the enemy can try to lie to us and say, hey, maybe it's not worth it to seek God first or to have that intimate relationship with God. But we have to remember, like the Bible says, we have to count our blessings, you know, and remember all of the good things that the Lord has done, you know, and the fact that God is good. The Bible says that he's the author and the finisher of Mm -hmm. our faith. So we can't even have faith and believe in him without him, you know, so I'm just thankful. Yeah, so good. Um, talk to me, Rustlin, about being a Christian at such a young age, 12 years old, you obviously become a Christian. Um, so how was it for you as a young believer in terms of your sexual journey? So talk to me about growing up as a teenager, you know, as a female, sexuality, desires, and how that fitted in with your Christianity. Okay, well, uh, our sexual desires are normal, you know. I think sometimes we will have this ideal because we're Christians that, you know, we just kind of walk around like a stick or a a log. We don't have a sex drive. You know, when the reality is, you know, that we have desires just like anyone else. But the thing is, um, one of the things that I've learned is to discipline those desires because there are other things that I desire more. Yes, I desire sex. Thank God for it. You know, but I also desire sex with someone who knows me intimately and loves me and values me intimately for me. Therefore, I'm going to hold back sex um, until I can get to know a person um, to the degree where I trust them enough to marry them. You know, and we get into that covenant of marriage, you know, and now the sex is on a different level now because sex is not just physical. You know, sex is emotional. Uh, sex is spiritual. Yeah. Uh, it's mental and all of these things that attract us to another person. But sometimes if we only deal with the physical realm, then we're limiting ourselves. And I remember that reminds me um, of another story from when I was in college Um there was a, a group that I was a part of, and that group was going to New York on a trip. And so um, I didn't have the money at the time. And, and so I prayed to God um, and told him I'll go if he gives me the money. Well, all of a sudden I got a check in the mail uh, from the school, uh, money I had left over from financial aid. So it was just enough to go on a trip. And so I got on this trip and it was this very attractive brother, just my type sitting in front of me, you know, and um before I went on a trip, the Lord told me to go on a fast. Yeah, <laughs> so I went on a fast mm-hmm. for five days um, because when we fast, a lot of times it it uh, helps us to get more control over mm-hmm. our bodies and yeah, stuff like flesh. that. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad I went on a fast because this guy was into me and I was into him. Mm-hmm. And I heard the Holy Spirit say something to me. And I included this in my first book, The Single Christian Woman's Guide. He said, Russell, when people allow themselves to participate in fornication relationships, they're allowing themselves to be robbed of the full experience that I have for them with sex. It's similar to someone practicing religion instead of an intimate relationship with me, you know, and I got an opportunity where that guy, he, he was like two doors down from the room that I was rooming in with a couple of other girls. And so anyway, they weren't in the room at the time. He knocks on the door and um, I let him in and um, he kissed me on the cheek, you know, and we talked for a little bit, but I could tell he wanted to do more, but he could tell I was a different type of girl, you know, and I already had my mind made up 
And plus the Lord had already prepared me and let me know because uh, he watches over us. He walks with us, mm-hmm. you know. And so um, that was it. It didn't go any further than that, you know. But the thing is, I had the opportunity to, you know, and we're going to have opportunities to do things, you know, that our flesh wants to do. But we can't just be ruled by our physical mm-hmm. bodies. We have to also think about, you know, how is this going to affect us, you know. And so that's just one example um, of me uh, dealing with, with my flesh. When I was a kid, I didn't really have too much trouble. Um, mm-hmm. I struggled with masturbation mm-hmm. around the age of 12. And God actually took that away. He delivered me uh, from masturbation at the age of 12. I haven't gone back Uh, to that. Mm -hmm. Um, I did struggle with some other things Mm -hmm. as an adult Mm -hmm. um, that I guess we'll be talking about a little bit later. Yeah. I mean, let's unpack those now. What were some of the things that you um, struggled with as an adult? Unpack them. Sure. Yeah. So because I struggled with my identity um, and I struggled with fully accepting myself, I think my flesh was an outlet. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a gentleman in college that um, the Lord had put on my heart not to get too close to him um, because he had a spirit of lust on him. But, you know, I was being naive and disobedient. And so I allowed myself um, to get closer to him than I probably should have. We went on a couple of dates. Um, And so the lust that he was struggling with I began to struggle with Mm. for at least the next seven years. Mm. And so in the middle of the night, I would wake up and it was almost like um, I was already in a sexual um, situation. And then I would have an orgasm um, and I would think about him, you know, and then after he was out of my life, that would happen to me at various times. And I would think about the next guy that I was interested in but it was actually because I had opened the door to lust Mm. and I allowed it to be a place of comfort for me because I had not fully accepted myself and I was still struggling with myself. So it made me feel like I was wanted by someone, you know, I was valued by someone when I should have been valuing myself. And I think sometimes when we are believers and we're really passionate about ministering to other people, we focus on ministering to all of these other people without um, ministering to ourselves mm-hmm. in the sense of, um, you know, dealing with our own insecurities and our own issues so that we can be whole enough to be obedient. And I find that a lot of ministers and, and people who are super busy, they often go through these types of things and God wants to deliver us uh, from these things as well. Um, so I did write about this uh, in short in the wholeness action plan uh, where one day, uh, God was God had been taking me through a deliverance process for some time, and one day, um, God said to me that you don't need that crutch. Mm-hmm. And so, after He said that, I didn't have to deal with that any longer. It was just like something was broken, and it was over. Um, now, there are times where your flesh tries to rise. If you're watching certain things on television, you know, for example, there was a television show I used to watch um, and my flesh used to kind of rise. So I stopped watching that show, you know, so we just have to make sure we close the doors that we open up to those things, uh, because those things are also not pleasing to God. Talk to me, Russell, about, um, you know, those encounters that you were having where, you were having sexual dreams that were triggered initially by 
you dating a guy who had a spirit of lust and the Lord had already warned you about that, right? But you still went ahead and um, as a result of it, you then ended up having visitations really from an incubus spirit is is what that was, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Mm -hmm. But you're in ministry and you're praying and, and, you know, for people and you're kind of still ministering, you're super busy, um, you've got these visitations where they're actually bringing you... some sort of comfort because actually you've got needs that need satisfying so as a believer what were some of the thoughts that were going on in your mind like were you aware that the dreams that you were having were ungodly and you know like what were some of your thoughts did you did you recognize that you were in bondage even before the lord spoke to you and said hey you don't need that crutch yeah talk to me about the wrestle with that and your Christianity. Okay. Well, naturally, when we're struggling with any type of sin and we're a believer, condemnation is something that we'll deal with. And so I was experiencing a tussle or a struggle um, to feel like, man, you know, I want to please God. I want to obey God. And when that sexual experience is happening, I was, I was awake. Well, at first I was asleep you know, and it, it's like you're, it's almost like you're having sex with a person yeah. uh, and then you wake up yeah. um, and you have an orgasm and it's just, you know, uncomfortable. And then you feel the conviction of the Lord, you know? And so I would pray a prayer and I would say, Lord, I wish I was better for you. I wish I was stronger for you, you know? And I would pray that all the time, you know, because I felt like I wasn't measuring up um, to what God deserved for his child, you know? And so that was the the struggle uh, for me. And I would fight, I would fast, I would pray, you know, I would try to go to sleep sometimes with the Bible on or uh, put some worship music on or something like that. And I still struggled with that from time to time until God actually uh, delivered me. Mm -hmm. There were some other things that were going on uh, as well in my family, um, you know, there was domestic violence among my parents, you know, so I had to, uh, you know, forgive and, um, you know, just walk through that process. And so that also kind of provided comfort uh, regarding that as well. You know, so there was a lot of healing that needed to take place within me. Mm. And I'm just thankful that God didn't cast me off, Mm. you know. Mm. And I think sometimes we think as believers that, Uh, because we're imperfect or because God exposes a weakness that, you know, we're not good enough or God is going to throw us away. A lot of church people do that. A lot of church people throw people away Mm. uh, when a weakness is exposed. Mm. But when God exposes a weakness, he exposes it to heal Mm. and to deliver and to deliver us, you know, and that's what ended up happening with me. Um, God delivered me from that because that was the vice and my definition that I talk about for a vice in, this, in the Single Christian Women's Guide is a vice is an illegitimate way to meet a legitimate need. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so we have legitimate needs, but we can try to meet those in illegitimate ways. Mm-hmm. And illegitimate ways are just ways that do not line up with scripture. Mm-hmm. You know, and therefore, you know, we have to go through a process of deliverance so we can sever Uh, which means to cut ties with whatever is not pleasing to God, you know, and that's actually around the time and the season where I learned about what God's grace actually is, 
you know, because you grow up sometimes hearing church people say that God's grace is just favor, but God's grace is not just a merited favor. God's grace is the power of God unto salvation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's because of, of Christ and, and because of the work of the Holy Spirit that we're saved. And it's because of the work of the Holy Spirit giving me grace and power to overcome that challenge mm-hmm. that I felt that I had no control over, mm-hmm. you know, and because God gave me the grace to overcome it now I'm free from it yeah. you know so if my hormones get hot or something like that now now I know to ask God for grace because yeah. the Bible says God resists the proud but he gives grace mm-hmm. to the humble which yeah. means he gives his power to the humble little did I know me praying that prayer Lord you know I, I confess my sin because the Bible says if we confess our sins um, that God is faithful mm-hmm. and just yeah. to forgive us mm-hmm. and to cleanse us mm-hmm. from all unrighteousness. Yeah. You know, so I confess my weakness to God and and ask Him for strength and ask Him. You know, I pray. I, I wish I was better for you. You know, and and God gave me grace mm-hmm. because I humbled myself. Yeah. You know, I didn't try to have this perfect image like, oh, I have it all together. You know, I don't have any struggles, but I'm teaching everybody else. You know, no, yeah. I have struggles just like everyone else. Yeah. And I think it's so important for us to share these challenges and to yeah. share the fact that I've overcome them because there are so many people who struggle with these things and nobody talks about them. Yeah, and so the yeah. fact that they go on in, in secret can mm. sometimes strengthen the shame mm. and shame a lot of times will keep us in cycles of sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good. Really good. And I love what you said about grace um, because it is grace is the empowerment to actually obey God isn't it? Because in our own flesh Mm. or in our own willpower, um, we can't actually truly obey. You know, we might think we can, and yes, we might be able to, to a certain degree, but when it comes to these strongholds of sin Mm -hmm. that we are enslaved Mm -hmm. by, it's only by Mm -hmm. the grace of God, you know, and yes, we partner with discipline and we partner with obedience, but actually, it's a supernatural work when we get delivered from things that other people who don't know the Lord, I mean, they're in bondage to these things for their whole lives, you know, because they actually don't have the grace of God working on their behalf. So we are so, so blessed to have a power so much bigger than us who's working on our behalf. Um, just share with me a little bit what that felt like then. So when the Lord said to you that actually, Rustling, you don't need this crutch anymore, um, what were some of the tangible differences for you from before when you were trying to, in your own strength, you know, trying to discipline yourself and overcome these um, sexual visitations to when God said you don't need this crutch? What did that actually then look like in terms of deliverance? Okay, yeah. So it didn't happen anymore after that, you know, and, you know, it grew my strength in the Lord you know, to see that God is enough, you know, I I already have been believing that God was enough for me being single, you know, God provides for me, I don't have to want for anything, you know, God had helped me with my self-esteem to see myself properly, there is absolutely no reason um, to be in agreement with that. Yeah any longer, Mm -hmm. you know, and so God just set me free, you know, so I'm just thankful. I'm really thankful that I don't have to deal with that any longer. You know, it's been some years now, you know, that I have not struggled with that. And it's like, wow, Lord, I didn't know I could live, you know, like this, you know, so 
it just really makes you believe more mm-hmm. and to hold tighter to your faith more. Yeah. Um, and I think this is so important, you know, because some people they get discouraged as well um, when they're in those cycles struggling like that mm-hmm. and they believe, well, maybe this Christianity thing is just not for me, yeah. you know, when the reality is it's for everybody. Yeah. See, it's the power of God unto salvation, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and it's him that empowers us and gives us strength uh, to live for him. Yeah. So good. Um, you mentioned earlier on about, you know, not acting like everything's perfect and actually being honest about struggles as as people that are ministering and ge- just generally in Christianity, being vulnerable about the struggles that you go through. So talk to me a little bit about um, your walk as a single woman, as a Christian. Mm-hmm. What are some of the struggles that you have had to overcome? Um, and how did you overcome those struggles, whether those struggles were sexually related, whether they were to do with your self-esteem, you know, your, your understanding of who you are. Talk to me about some of the struggles that you have overcome as a single woman. So one of the primary struggles is how we see ourselves. A lot of times because we're not dating all the time. Um, it's been actually four years since I've been out on a date, you know, and because I have a healthy mindset, you know, I'm not slipping back into those not good enough thoughts because yeah. for a while, um, before I saw myself properly, I used to think, well, maybe I'm not good enough or maybe, you know, an honorable marriage relationship is only for certain types of people. Maybe it's not for people like me, you know, and all of those things are just lies from the enemy and distractions to get me to see myself on a lower level Mm -hmm. so that I can act and react from a lower level. You know, I have the same broken thoughts produce um, broken actions, which produce broken cycles. And that's where a lot of single women get caught up in. Um, Also, I had dealt with rejection because I hadn't dated for a while and, you know, there was no one showing interest in me. And then when uh, I met a brother that I was interested in, uh, he was no longer interested in me. He uh, went after my friend um, and he was more interested in her. She was light skinned with long hair. So I felt like, um, well, maybe, you know, I'm too dark skinned, you know, to have mm. a mature man of God and all of those things. So then I started to struggle with my appearance, yeah. you know, and one day I can remember being in the mirror and, um, I had just did my hair and put on a little bit of makeup. And I, uh, had said to myself, yeah, you look nice, you know, but just not enough, you know, to get a, a mature man of God, you know? And so that was before I was on my way into work and I had gotten to work and at my job, one of the young ladies is a prophet and I didn't tell her anything about um, what, what, what was going on. And she was like, yeah, wrestling, you've been struggling with your appearance and you know how you see yourself for so long, you know, and God wants you, you resolved in that, you know, and uh, she began to encourage me and share some other things with me, you know, and I started somehow this process of just embracing myself, you know, and loving myself. Um, Since I began seeing myself from God's perspective, I had to renew my mind with the word of God. Um, There's a scripture in Ephesians that says that uh, we're God's masterpiece, you know, which means we're God's work of art. So Mm -hmm. I had to start caring myself like I was God's work of art. You know, the Bible says that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And that I know right well, 
So that means God takes special uh, care and carefulness uh, in how he made me and how he even put my skin tone together and my hair and everything else. And this is the reason why the Bible tells women to adorn themselves. You know, a lot of times that scripture is is taught in an extreme way mm. or in an appropriate way to encourage women not to fix themselves up. But we're supposed to fix ourselves mm. up. That's what it means to adorn yourself. Yeah. You know, you dress yourself up because you're beautiful, you know. Yeah. So I, you know, I keep my eyebrows done and, you know, sometimes I'll get my nails done keep my hair done and, you know, I sashay, I walk with my heels and, you know, all of that. I just love being a woman. I just love being me. I have such a boost in confidence because my confidence is not coming from the fact that a guy is interested in me Mm. today, but then tomorrow he's no longer interested in me. And now I'm changing with the weather. No, my confidence is based on something that's stable, that's solid. My confidence is based on Jesus Christ and how he sees me because how God sees me will never pass away. And so that's how I've committed to myself to see myself, Mm. how God sees me. Mm. Yeah. I love that you, um, have been on this journey and you know that you're at a place where you fully embrace your femininity mm-hmm. your beauty your sexuality but it's from a place of celebration and purity um, mm-hmm. and it's from a place of innocence as opposed to seduction or impurity so I absolutely love that because that is attractive and that actually Mm -hmm. is such a beautiful witness as well to the world around you um so talk to me a little bit about what dating then is like for you because you are open to dating you've been on dates so as a Christian woman what are you looking for when you're going on dates and you know how are you navigating through your dating um, in this particular season, like, talk to me a little bit about that. Um, so it all starts with a conversation first. Um, of course, you know, attraction, you know, you want to talk to someone you're attracted to and who's also attracted to you. But the next most important thing to me is, is what is this person about? Mm. And I often, uh, find out about what a person is about, uh, based on what they say, But of course, we can't stop there. You know, we have to also look at that person's actions, you know, because actions do speak louder than words. But the Bible does say uh, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So a lot of times we could ask questions as ladies and just kind of sit back and listen, you know, to see where a guy is at. For example, there was a gentleman that I was interested in. I didn't really know anything about him. I just thought he was attractive. Um, He did some work for my family and, um, So I showed interest in him and he waited like a whole year. Then he finally slid in the DMs, you know, um, which was like a couple of months ago. It's like the end of last um, year. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we ended up talking on the phone and come to find out he's kind of carnal. You know, Mm -hmm. it was just a lot of cursing Mm -hmm. for no reason. I can understand if somebody like stubbed their toe or something like that and they just, it just kind of slipped out, you Mm -hmm. know, but they're not of the character of cursing. That's not their normal conversation, but this was his normal conversation, you know? So I had to cut that off. I didn't, I decided not to go out with him because initially um, we were going to go out. um, But after I saw the carnality in that, 
you know, I, I took some steps back, mm-hmm. you know, and said, yeah. no, this is not what I'm looking for. You know, I'm looking for a man of God, somebody who is already uh, setting themselves aside to honor God, you know, not just in word, but also in deed and how they carry themselves, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe we're just at different places in our journey. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not to say that that guy wasn't a believer, but that's not something that I'm looking for, mm-hmm. you know, so I am looking for a man of God. I'm looking for a man who's humble. I'm looking for a man who's confident in who he is because of his relationship with God, a man who loves himself, who, who cares about himself, you know, who, who dresses, you know, well for himself, takes care of himself, um, a man with a vision, you know, not someone just living life haphazardly, you know, but he has a vision. He, he knows where he wants to go. He may not know everything. He may not know how he will get there. You know, maybe that's something I can help him with. <laughs> you never know. Um, but I'm looking for a man with a vision, yeah. uh, someone who's respectful, someone who respects me and someone who I can respect, you know, yeah. um, because I see him being faithful. I see him being committed, you know, and he's also vulnerable. I see him being human, you know. And someone who's kind, you know, someone who, who just treats me well, you yeah. know, who's loving, you know, those things are important to me. I think sometimes there's this, I don't know, misconception that if you are single and that you have been waiting for quite a long time, I think there might be a temptation sometimes for some single women to lower their standards because mm-hmm. they might have waited for ages. Then someone comes along and they may display certain behaviors um, and there may be a temptation for a woman to accept those behaviors even though they might not necessarily um, have peace with those things because they've been waiting for a long time so they're just going to settle. What would you say to a woman who feels that she may have to settle um, for certain behaviors because no one else has come along like speak to the woman who might compromise her standards simply because she's tired of waiting what would you say to that woman okay so yeah I struggled with that thought for some time uh, but the reality is that whole thought and the contemplation of it is just a sign that that woman is not really ready to be in a relationship and maybe she needs to allow God's process because God does process us. You know, the Bible talks about how those who bring forth fruit, how he, uh, he cuts them in a sense so that they can bring forth more fruit, you know, and sometimes it's not comfortable when we're in that waiting stage and no one's talking to us and no one's pursuing us. You know, we may not feel beautiful and, you know, desired and all of those things, but God can use that to expose in our hearts. Do we really trust him? Do we really value where we're at? Do we really value our intimacy with God? Do we really value the fact that, you know, we don't have um, maybe a child with someone uh, who doesn't value us, but we have to see them on a regular basis to pick up our child or drop our child off? You know, do we really value the peace of mind that we have um, as singles, not being in an unhealthy relationship, because I'd rather be in, in a healthy God honoring relationship than to be in a relationship with someone just to say, I have someone, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and that's another thing that I address in the single Christian woman's guide, uh, where I talk about the stigma of being single yeah. and the stigma is undue shame that's placed on someone. And a lot of times women will compromise their standard 
because they're trying to get that shame off of them. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm approaching 40 and mm-hmm. I still don't have a spouse. Mm-hmm. Everybody's asking me, why don't you have a spouse or is there something wrong with you? Mm-hmm. You know, but the reality is we have to know who we are for ourselves. We have to embrace who we are for ourselves mm-hmm. because we're the ones that have to live our life. Mm-hmm. And then there's another example that I discussed in the wholeness action plan. There was actually a woman Uh, She told God, she was a believer. She told God, um, if I don't have a man by the time I'm 40, I'm going to go get my own man. You know, she kind of had allowed her heart to become hard and angry at the Lord. So this guy was interested in her. He wasn't a man of God. She knew he wasn't a man of God. He told her, you know, I'm not, um, you know, into, you know, trying to commit to you. I just want to have sex. So she started having sex with this guy. They had a daughter. And um, he told her, I told you, I'm, I'm not trying to be committed to you, so I'm not going to father this child. You're on your own. So now this lady's in her 40s, and she has a baby. Uh, she has a child. And she was complaining about how her family and her friends would not help her to take care of the child. They felt like she was an adult. She was 40 years old. You know, she could take care of that child. And now the same cycle that the mother did not deal with has passed down to the the daughter. And so now the daughter, she was believing God for her husband, the mother. Now the daughter is believing God for her father because she doesn't have a relationship with her father. But sometimes the little girl and the mom, they walk past the father. and um, But the little girl doesn't know that that's her father. And she was praying for a father to go to the daddy um, daughter dance with one day. And so the mother was sharing the story with me on how she was just so hurt um, because of uh, her decision to compromise. So she still ended up without a man. She definitely didn't have a man of God. She had a temporary experience uh, with a male. um, And now she has the responsibility of taking care of a child that she has to explain why the father is not in her life. So a lot of times when we do move before God and when we do get into compromise just so we can have someone, a lot of times we end up making things worse for ourselves when we've been in a blessed position yeah. um, all along. I'm in a blessed position. I don't I don't want for anything. God protects me. He watches over me. Um, he's given me wisdom, even with my finances, to live underneath my means so I can put money aside so that I can travel mm-hmm. um, at least once or twice a year. So I really enjoy my life. And if a man comes into my life, he has to be someone who adds value um, to my life instead of subtracts value. Mm-hmm. And we're worth that, ladies. Yeah. We're definitely yeah. worth that. Yeah, yeah. I think the key thing is really just trusting God's timing and also trusting that God knows the desires of your heart. And Mm -hmm. sometimes I think that can be the hardest thing for some women when they think that the delay is something wrong, when sometimes actually that season of someone not being in your life is Mm -hmm. God's gift to you. And I think yeah. the closer you are to the Lord and the more you trust in him and the more you trust in his nature and his perfect love, the more you're then able to accept your season and just make peace with it and actually begin to <laughs> flourish. And so I definitely think the Lord wants us to flourish, you know, when you're married, when you're single, you know, in every season of our lives, I truly do believe yeah. the Lord wants us to flourish and totally yes. thrive in each season. Um, I believe you agree. 
Yeah. So, Rustlin, why don't you just, um, we've literally just got a couple of minutes, why don't you share anything that's on your heart um, just as we close that you might want to encourage someone with or, um, yeah, just, just bless someone with. So I just want to encourage everyone out there to know that you're not alone. You know, the Bible talks about how often when we go through things, many of us are going through the same thing all over the world. You know, so don't allow the enemy to lie to you and make you feel like you're the only one or it's not worth it. That's why I'm sharing my story, you know, and we all have a story. So uh, that's pretty much what I would like to share. If uh, you guys want to get in contact with me, uh, you can visit russellandwilliams.com. My email address is on that website. Again, it's russellandwilliams.com. There's also a link to my blog from that website. But if you want to go directly to the blog, you can visit www.intercession, the number four, a generation.org. Again, that's www.intercession, the number four, a generation.org. Incredible. And of course, guys, you can buy Rustlin's books, you know, those three phenomenal yes. books that she has written, which will be so, so um, helpful. Do you ship worldwide? Uh, yes. Uh, so Amazon does have a UK um, and several other um, places all across the globe. So wherever Amazon goes, um, also Ingram Spark has some global uh, centers as well. Uh, so if you visit RusslandWilliams.com, I do have links to Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and wherever you can find the book. Walmart actually uh, carries the Wholeness Action Plan. Uh, wow. So if you go to Walmart's website and search the Wholeness Action Plan, you should be able to pull it up and order it there as well. Incredible. Oh, amazing. Rustin, thank you so, so much for sharing your heart, sharing your wisdom and sharing your journey with me today. Thank you, girl, for having me. I really enjoyed this, by the way. <laughs> so did I. Thank you so much, sweetheart. Thank you so much for joining me for today's show. All related social media handles and links can be found in the notes section. If you did enjoy today's episode, then please do feel free to share it and do subscribe to the podcast if you want to know when a new episode is heading your way. If you'd like to get in touch, you can do that via Instagram or Facebook, or you can head over to livinginlight.co.uk. I cannot wait to be with you guys again, and thank you so much for listening to the Living in Light podcast.